Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We got a good one today. Again, super excited to bring you another episode where we talk to somebody in the Nashville culinary world. Today, is uh, our guest is going to be James Kerwin. He is the chef at the Little Fib inside the Renaissance Hotel. And it is a get to know you episode today. I don't have a super long history with him. He's relatively new to Nashville. And I see him all over social media and he's just doing really cool stuff. So I reached out to him and I said, dude, I would love to have you on the uh, the podcast. I'd love to hear more about you. I'd love to learn about you. So uh, if you don't know James Kerwin, hopefully this is an introduction to just one of the sharpest guys. Super, super good dude. I had so much fun talking to him and I hope that you enjoy getting to know him a little bit better and maybe you can get into the Renaissance or to Little Fib there at the Renaissance and uh, try his food because... Uh, I can imagine. I haven't eaten there yet, so I'm, I'm dying to. I've eaten his food at the um, at Soup Sunday, and it was my favorite thing out there. So I was really, really impressed by him. So I hope you enjoy the interview. It's coming up here uh, just a minute. I always have a couple things I like to talk about today. I'm going to promote the Roundup, which is our show that we do live Thursday at three thirty in the afternoon. Uh, with Delia Joe Ramsey and myself. We do it on Facebook as well as YouTube, our YouTube channel. And uh, this week we're going to be focusing on East Nashville. Christy Cookie is bringing us the the neighborhood spotlight. We're going to be talking about East Nashville. We're going to be going over all of the hidden gems that you need to know about in East Nashville. And... Um, we are also going to be uh, we're going to be doing a Miracle One wine promo. So one of our new sponsors, Miracle One Wines, we are going to be doing the Where's Charlie, and we're Charlie McPherson's going to be jumping into the show and letting us know which happy hour he is at, and inviting you, the listener, to go right then and there to wherever he is uh, to go drink his wines, to go taste his wines. He's going to be doing free wine tastings for anybody who's listening, identifies where he is, and goes to where he is. We're going to test this out. I think it's a pretty fun theory, and uh, hopefully you get some uh, wine out of it. I mean, come on. Uh, we'll do it socially distanced. We want to be safe. We don't want to just pack a bunch of people in there, but hey, he's going to be around for like an hour and a half, and then you guys can go drink his wine. It's going to be great. Miracle One Wines. We're so excited to have them sponsor the Roundup. Uh, we got a big, big week coming up next week. Tuesday is Election Day, and uh, we're going to have a special Election Day episode with uh, Dee Patel. Uh, she is the managing director for the Hermitage Hotel, and I'm just so excited to have her on for Election Day. And uh, we got a big week next week coming up. We'll talk more about it on the Roundup. And uh, we just thank you guys so much for all of your support. So, dig in, get ready to get to know James Kerwin. With much excitement, I want to welcome in today Chef James Kerwin from Little Fib inside the Renaissance Hotel. Welcome, Chef. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm I'm super excited to have you on today because I'm legitimately like excited just to get to know you. 
Like I see so many things that you're doing out there and I, I never worked with you, so I don't know a lot about you and I'm just genuinely interested to get in and learn all about you. Hopefully just get your name out there and, and everything you're doing. Yeah. I mean, well, excited to just talk to you, see another human being, um, you know, <laughs> you might need to put an E next to this uh, podcast because I, I tend, I tend to have a chef's mouth, but um you know, excited just for the opportunity to, to hang out with you and hopefully, you know, we can shine some light on some local people and, you know, get to know each other. Do you notice when I do that, when I put the little E next to the, uh, because I do it based on the conversation. Like if there's some F-bombs dropped, if there's not, then I won't put an E, but like, I actually like am cognizant because I have little kids and I'm like, I don't want parents to be like, oh, it's cool. He never cusses. And they get yeah. in the car and be like, whoa, what happened in this episode? So well, I like to give heads up. That's why it was like top of my mind. So I was like, I'm probably going to curse at some point. Um, and my kids are downstairs. So I was like, let's just get that out of the way. Like, first and foremost. <laughs> well, first and foremost, you got kids. Tell me about your kids. Uh, so I have two. I've got a two and a half and a one, one and a half year old. Um, Leopold and Everly. Um, super great. Just like a, a proud dad and... They're just like the best kids, man. Kids were the best thing that ever happened to me. Leopold and Everly? Yeah. Those names are fantastic. <laughs> well, I can credit my wife for pretty much all of them. Is there any family history behind any of that? Or is it just like, hey, we love the name Leopold? No, we're just like semi-hipsters. Semi-hipsters? <laughs> yeah, we just like to do something a little, a little bit different. I love it. I love it. So you went into the the quarantine with one and two year olds, or not even quite. You celebrated a one year birthday in the middle of the quarantine. We did, and honestly, like we've just been super blessed because you know, obviously, your kids are a little bit older. Mine, they don't know what's going on. They just know they get to hang out with mom and dad all the time. Um, and now that I'm back at work, it's I miss daddy. Where is he? But that's the biggest problem I have. So. I've just been super blessed with that. Like they don't understand what's going on. I don't have to do homeschool because if I had to do long division, listen, they're, they're, it would not be good. I'm a, <laughs> I, I would call it, dude, it's not long division anymore. It's called common core and you wouldn't know how to do addition. It's no, not even I, long division. You got to worry about cause it's like three <laughs> plus three. They have made so damn hard. Just to be like three plus three is six. I'm like, you got fingers. Like, no, no, no. Right. Common core suggests. And you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. You're like, I run a $20 million business. I can do that fine. But throw like 500 minus 50 times X. I'm like, I give up. Yeah. No more. <laughs> Where's the calculator? Well, that was, you know, there was this time. You're lucky you, you are blessed because there was a time when school came back. And we live in Williamson County. And there was a, uh, their kindergarten and first grader, my kids, was like, they can go back to school. So, like, it was a, are they going to go back to school? And then it was a, yes, they are. And then we had to make the decision. Are we going to send our kids back to school? And that's the subject, you know, I think on Facebook and everything, you post all these fun moments. I put on Instagram the other day, a pictures of me playing in the the yard and leaves and all these things. And it's like, I didn't post all the fights I had with my wife over whether or not our kids will go to school this year. 
Yeah. And it was legit, man. I mean, do you send them to school where they could potentially get sick? And do you, are you disrespecting the teachers? And I mean, it's a whole long conversation. And we finally decided that I don't know how to do long core division. And I don't, I don't, I'm not going to be a good teacher. And she was like, I'm not going to be like, there will be kids going back. And we just bit the bullet and said, let's do it. And it was a great decision. I mean, they've been loving school and it's given us a major reprieve. It's been great. Yeah. I mean, like safety is first and foremost, like whether it's school or whether it's the restaurant or anything like that. But like at the end of the day, like people just want to talk to people and it's, it's so sad when your kids are like, I just miss my friends. Right. And you're like, uh, buddy, I know, but, but that, that is the biggest problem that I've had. So, so we, we've been super blessed. It's a thing. All right. So enough talking about me. What, what, let's, let's talk about you growing up. Where'd you grow up? Are you a Nashvilleian? I am not. native. Uh, I'm a transplant. So I've been here for about That's two okay. years. Um, grew up in Detroit, but lived in Chicago for about 12 years before I came here. So most of my, all of my pretty much professional career has all been in Chicago. Um, I lived in Florida for a little while, went to tried tried culinary school. Uh, was not for me. Was not your thing, huh? No, did did college. It wasn't for me. Schooling's never been. What do you think that is? Why why was that not for you? Is it just a because I've had a lot of people on the show, a lot of them graduated this, I've got my doctorate, I've done culinary school, and then a lot of them are like, No, I didn't graduate college. I yeah. was like, I want to get in and do. I didn't want to learn about somebody else doing I wanted to do, and I had an opportunity to do it, so I took it. But what about you? What's your why? I just I never wanted to be bored, I think it was. So I I, I went to college i did three and a half years um studied finance which at the end of the day has really helped me out in my career um for the little bit that i went to class um but i was i was just never i was always yeah like a doer busybody i didn't want to sit in class um i wanted to be social um and so when i've, I've always loved cooking and it was never really cool um I, I remember the conversation with my old man when i was like I think I want to go to culinary school and be a chef. And he was like, that's for convicts and people who don't know what they're doing. And I was like, yeah, but like, I really enjoy it. And I think it's cool. I, I started at like everybody else does at 14 as a dishwasher. Um, did that all through high school. I was a, I was a banquet server, uh, which was my only front house experience. So I was like, nope, I like the guys in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> Okay, cool. I just drop plates and ask people if they want white wine or red wine. I can deal with that. Um, and full napkins, great, love it. But other than that, I was like, yeah, I'd rather just cook food and create stuff that gets served. But do you think that there's a is there there's some kind of beautiful marriage between not wanting to be sitting still in a classroom and learning to just being on a pirate ship in a kitchen and just all of the the melee and craziness that happens. Do you think that that's just a, a natural fit? You know, I like, I think now it's much, much different. Just, I think the same as your experience kind of just, I came in at the very end of the pirate ship thing where, um, chefs would yell at you and you got physically abused and you did all that. Like, so we're kind of, I'm kind of on the, the very, very tail end of that generation. Um, for, for the better. Most definitely. Uh, sure. How old are you? 33. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so I kind of caught the tail end of that with like fine dining in Chicago and, and all that. But um, I love to see where the industry is now. And I feel like it's just so much more positive. I think the world, I mean, and, and I love it. I think the world is more positive now. I mean, yeah. I know my eyes have been opened up just over the last seven months. I mean, all the stuff that we've been learning, all the, the different civil rights movements and everything. I mean, I'm not going to say that I, I was perfect. I mean, there was a lot throughout all of this, this past quarantine that I've looked in the mirror and I've thought like, man, I got so much, I need so much work I need to do. And I mean, I thought I was pretty well, I got this. I'm pretty sharp. And and I mean, that's just in the past seven months. I, I, I'm hopeful as to where we might go in the next seven months there's wherever we're yeah. at. But I mean, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, was a different animal, man. Yeah. Well, I think just like with the natural progression of technology, like I don't think anything has really changed. I think it just exposes everybody, right? Like I'm not perfect and you aren't either, but I feel like now with social media and more access to knowledge, right? It just exposes the people who weren't doing the right things and weren't, didn't have integrity. So, you know, I'm definitely guilty of that at some point, right? I'm sure. I mean, said some short-sighted things that I probably forget and, and regret. And, uh, you know, but like, I think it's just technology, like nothing's really changed just now it exposes everybody, right? Like when you, when you mistreat a server, they can go on Twitter and call you out on it. And it's not a bad thing. I think that's, that's what's going to help perpetuate our industry and, and make it a better place to work. I, you know, I don't want to have a conversation about cancel culture, but I mean, I, I think that there's two sides to that. One is, I think it's a cop-out sometimes just to go on Facebook and or, or Twitter and call somebody out. And the art of having an in-person conversation with somebody, if there's somebody treats you in a way that's that's not positive, I think that I think there needs to be a conversation. Somebody's just a bully and they do it to everybody and they've had the conversation with them and they say, I don't I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna continue to be that way. Then yeah, I mean they if if the normal lines of communication don't work. But I think that there's there's this immediate reaction to it's almost like the Yelp culture. If somebody comes in your restaurant and they and something isn't perfect, they go, Oh yeah, well I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you on Yelp. And it's like well, why don't, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Let me fix it. Let me see what I can do. And I think through interpersonal communication, it just sometimes the restaurant is a intense place. And I don't think people recognize sometimes what it's like in the middle of a Friday night when you're on an hour and a half wait and everything's going nuts and the, the wheels are falling off. Like it's intense. Sometimes you yell, sometimes it gets crazy and it's like, the kind of the whole fun thing about a restaurant is the end of that. You can all kind of go, Hey, that got a little off, off the rails and I appreciate everything you did. I'm sorry if I lost my cool, like we're people and we need to continue to work as people to, to get better. And I mean, that's just, that's one side of that, that, that balance thing, you know? Yeah. Well, I think you hit it right on the head with the interpersonal, right? Like there's no one that's going to go on and say like chef James is a jerk because like, he yelled at me one time, right? Because you built up that rapport with that person and like, yeah. you can have the conversation. And so I think exposing, like what's happening is we're exposing those people who are habitual people of doing that. So it's, it's not a one-off thing. It's not a Friday night where you're slammed. It's a, this person does this all the time. And uh, a long time ago, somebody told me that jerks don't make it in this industry, especially like 
in a corporate environment that I worked in, right? Like yeah. there's an HR, like if you are a jerk, you will be exposed. You will no longer work. And I've always told everybody that. Like, well, that's, that's, that's indicative of a, of a good culture. I mean, if you work somewhere that has a really good culture and it, you can, I, I love walking in a place that you can feel the culture. Yeah. Like my number one thing when I walk into a restaurant as a sales guy for so many years, I'd walk in and if the gatekeeper, which was like the host or whoever, if the gatekeeper was rude and mean, or if you'd walk in the kitchen and somebody was just dismissive or what do you want? You know, defensive. It's like, uh, I could tell immediately that their chef was a jerk. And sometimes you'd walk in and somebody would be, Hey man, what's going on? Hey, nice to meet you. Then where's chef? He's, he's right over here. Be happy to talk to you. It's like, Oh, they have a good, it's, it's, you can, it's palpable. Yeah. Well, I would say just like hospitality doesn't, the, the most important job in a restaurant is the hostess, right? Like that's your first and last impression. Um, but that goes to line cooks. Like hospitality is not something that you do while you're on the clock, right? Like it doesn't extend to being on the dining floor. It's, you know, we always say we're hospitality and have fidelity. It kind of throws to like the restaurant's, retro feel and like it builds that culture and we're just we're hospitable that's that's it thank you for for mentioning that because we, we get off topic <clears throat> and i can talk to restaurant people all day long about this stuff i i appreciate you engaging me um so you were in detroit and then you're in florida and then you were chicago, chicago for a long time what brought you to nashville uh, so I had opened the marquee in Chicago, uh, so mm-hmm. twelve hundred room hotel. Um, I did the first food hall, like as I like, go proof of concept for Marriott, um, just as one of like the F and B things that they were trying. Um, really, really great. Like I love Chicago. It's I still consider it like my home. Are you a Blackhawks fan? I am not a sports fan at all. I, I, I we can get into the conversation. This is great. I gave up sports a long time ago. Like I, I the University of Michigan is like a thing for me. I I, I do love U of M football, um, but I just like a good game when I when I can catch it. But you know, once you start working eighty hour weeks, you just kind of forgo the the sports enthusiasm. Um, but yeah, so I worked at Marquee. I opened food hall. And we had just, before we even found out we were having our second child, it had just been mulling over in my mind about the way I wanted to raise my, or our children, um, and the, the kind of place that I wanted to raise them in. And an opportunity came up here at the Renaissance. They were two weeks away from opening Little Fib. Um, I tend to be the person that comes in when things are going awry, um, and I try to fix them, or assist in some way um you know when we opened the marquee i came two weeks beforehand my chef handed me a concept and said write it make the menu i want it tomorrow um so we did that and it was a 350 seat restaurant moving and bound and kind of the same opportunity came up to come a little fib um the the team and chef folds that you know so well um they needed some help at the restaurant they're They've been super, super busy up to that point. Um, and Nashville always just, I've always come here. I, I had good friends here. Uh, 
you know, unfortunately, Chef Nate from Marsh House is leaving us going to Creation Gardens. Um, so he, I worked for him previously, and uh, Chef Mike, who's over at Opryland, uh, they were both mentors and chefs of mine. Um, so when they say that Nashville is a great city to move to and a good place to raise a family, I tend to listen. We are going to take a quick break to tell you a quick word about Trust 20. Trust 20 is the new standard of restaurant safety and diner comfort. Trust 20 restaurants are part of a national network of restaurants that meet a high standard of cleanliness and safety, giving diners confidence in the measures you're taking to keep them safe. Trust 20 restaurants receive expert guidance, operational resources, and benefit from diner-focused promotion on behalf of Trust 20 network of participants. So how do you get certified? It's easy. First, go to trust20.co and request a certification appointment. Then, a Trust 20 specialist will reach out and arrange a visit. The specialist conducts a 60-minute review and consultation according to Trust 20 tactics. If adjustments are needed, the Trust 20 specialist will provide guidance to assist. Now that you're certified, have peace of mind that you're doing everything you can to keep your restaurant safe and start enjoying the benefits of Trust 20 certification. Remember, visit trust20.co to request your certification appointment today. You're like um, anybody. I mean, you moved to Nashville because there's huge opportunity here. And Nashville, they call it the it city right now because it is. And Nashville's got a lot of really cool things going. No shame in that, man. I love the fact that you're here. And I love that we're bringing in amazing talent. I don't... um, I was kidding about the Blackhawks thing. You know, I'm obviously a Predators fan, but Chicago's our our big rival and nothing against Blackhawks fans. They're, they're actually great. That's what makes a rivalry, right? No, I think that's awesome, dude. So land of opportunity, your wife, you have, I mean, you moved here. Did you, you had a a six month old, like you were just like with a baby. Yeah. Yeah. You can move here and raise children. It's you've been at the little fib since they've opened. Yeah. Yeah, so we just celebrated our two-year um, grand opening just a couple weeks ago, um, and excited to be back. I've been back for a few weeks. We've opened for breakfast, um, and we're still doing late night. So we're closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, um, just given the nature. There's no concerts, anything like that. Yeah. But Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, we're open for dinner, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we're open for breakfast. And so hotel restaurants are a big deal. I mean, there's there's some legit hotel restaurants, a big Chicago um, uh, king of the restaurant industry. Tony Montuano has yeah. opened up Yolan and the Joseph recently, and they are number one on our Nashville hot list. Yeah. Um, just killing it. But there's been some amazing hotel restaurants. Tell me about, I don't know, I've never eaten at Little Fib. So tell me like about the whole concept. If I'm out there and I'm like little fib, that's in the Renaissance. Really, like, give me just a full update on what the restaurant's doing, what your menus like, what the decor is like. Uh, so it's all kind of it. Little fib harbors back to the country music, um, saying that true music is three chords in the truth, five chords in a little fib, eight chords in a straight up lie. So we try to blend. Okay some old school American retro with like modern plating and super local. So you're going to get things like, you know, meatloaf, but our meatloaf has 40 ingredients in it. It's delicious. 
we're bringing you home. We're all about putting the supper back in supper time. Gotcha. We want you to come in, have a good time, get that nostalgia. It's just good American food that's all purchased locally and uh, just made with love. And it's going to be a place that you can come for breakfast and get an omelet, but it's a really good omelet. And like you can come, and there's going to be a surprise in every dish that kind of elevates it a little bit. But like you just feel at home, and that's that's what it's all about. I feel like that's that's my my feeling of Nashville is like, um, you know, we're here to just have a good time and give you good food. It's like okay. the definite. So it's not pretentious. It's really some classics. You know, I last restaurant I worked at, they said, they said, why don't we do all this crazy food? And they said, you know what we do here is we do good food people like to eat. Yeah. And it was really good food, quality ingredients that people enjoy ordering. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here we're just trying to put out food that people love but make it really really well and it sounds like you're doing that with almost a little more of a twist like with a little bit of that innovation that surprise at the end of the day like we just we this is a restaurant for nashville i know that there's a captured audience that's in-house for us and we're, we're blessed to have that um but at the end of the day like i want it to be a place when when there were credits games, right? Like I wanted you to come and have some delicious wings and a good local beer and have a great time before you went to the Preds game or to go to the Rideman, right? Um, mm-hmm. and it's it's all it's all exactly what you said. Good food just done well. Like our chicken wings, we brine them for 24 hours, we smoke them in house, we do a house barbecue rub, we make a Jack Daniels like smoked chili glaze, like it's really Sounds approachable crazy. food just we're just there's a lot of effort and a lot of care that goes that goes into it you know our our hope is that it shows on the plate so uh you moved to nashville what part of town do you live in I live in buena vista it's like buena vista by the kroger at rosa parks in jefferson oh gosh yeah so um you, you had a you had an interesting day on March the third. Uh yeah, so we, we did get a little bit of tornado damage, but um you know, a house is just a bunch of wood and steel. Our family was was okay and you know our neighbors were okay, and that's really kind of the important part. But you know, we're still getting stuff done, but what was that night work. like? I mean, I don't know if Chicago has like tornadoes like that, but I've kind of told my story and I've asked everybody what their story was on the podcast. Like what walk me through having a one and a half and a two year half, one and two year old children at the time. And are you home? Were you at work? Like what was going on? Honestly, it was, it was such a crazy thing because we had just done Koshan five, five, five and like won that. And like brought home the trophy and the next day. So we were like living on this high where I hadn't been home for like a week because we were working at Koshan. And then I finally get home and I get a chance to relax and sitting on the couch, I ended up falling asleep because we were just as a family, just hanging out. Um, and I didn't even wake up to like the alarms or any of the, the buzzers. My next door neighbor, uh, my friend Jody, 
she called us and she's like, what are you doing? Take some cover. And I looked out the, our back window and I saw our garage door wrapped around our car. Um, oh. And so I was like, yeah, let's grab the kids. And uh, <laughs> fortunately we have like a little, I call it the Harry Potter closet um, underneath the stairs. So we grabbed them and took them down and, you know, immediately just started calling friends and family, you know, people at the hotel, people at the restaurant, making sure they were okay. People that we knew were kind of in the path and, and making sure we were safe. Wow. What a, what a, just a harrowing experience. What was that next morning? The sun comes up the next morning. What did you, what was the first thing you did? Um, you know, you have to like get some coffee and get some sort of like normalcy, right. And like level set yourself. And, and then we just set out to cleaning up the neighborhood and making sure everybody was okay. Were you in awe at all at Nashville? I mean, it's your, you're new to Nashville. You have this perception of what Nashville yeah. is. You've been here for a little bit, but that next week, could you, did you really get a sense of what Nashville is? Absolutely. Like, there's there's no other place that I've ever been where <clears throat> people come together and rally around just helping each other. Um, I mean, I, I can mostly speak to it from a, from a chef's perspective where we just want to take care of each other. So I was like, what can I do? I've got a dented Weber. Let's get some charcoal. I got some food in the freezer. Let's start cooking. Let's feed some people cleaning up. Um, one of my neighbors, his third floor got blown off and he's like, my bar cart was still intact. That means that this was meant to be drank. So I'm making batch cocktails for the whole neighborhood. Everybody's cleaning up. And I was like, I'm going to cook some chicken, whatever we got to do. Like, let's just all help each other out. And the sense of community is, is, is just crazy. It's an amazing town. I loved just those two weeks, the Nashville strong, you know, everybody pulling together. And I, I can't wait for this election season to be over hopefully once somebody wins the election or loses the election we can um we can join back together and start mending i think as a nation i i hate this divisiveness and um i'm just hoping we can get that feeling i felt the two weeks after march 3rd before really you know saint patrick's day and the coronavirus really hit i just felt so like warm and just proud of my town. And I still am, but like, I just, I hate that. I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating sometimes. And then just to roll right into, you know, all these restaurant closures and, oh. and all the people that, that you love and care about and that you respect them having to make that hard decision, you know, to, to close the restaurants or to put people on furlough and to make those phone calls. Right. Like that's a really difficult thing to do. Like rolling off of, you know, a natural disaster like that. Like, you know, I think about like, like Attaboy, like I'm glad that they're back open. Yeah. Uh, what, what a story. And like, it warms my heart to see that. Like, so people that are really like flourishing and coming back and given everything with Corona and, and a natural di- disaster, you know, it's, I've always said that there's no better people more equipped to handle this kind of thing. Russian people, because we're used to stuff on the fly. We're used to changing. We're used to adapting. We're used to hard work. And, you know, it, it, it warms my heart to, to see everybody kind of bouncing back a little bit. But if there's, if there's one industry that's going to put in the work and do the right thing, it's restaurant industry. That's a true story. And I've, I've 
you, you listen to the podcast. I've, I've talked to so many people whose stories have inspired me, hopefully have inspired other people, but just the resilience, the innovation, things that restaurant people are going through. And I mean, it's almost a daily. Um, this past Monday, I had on Matt Leff, who's the owner of Rhizome Productions, and he was my second interview. We inter- I interviewed him on March 16th. Oh, so March 16th and like October 25th, um, we did two interviews and the stark difference between the two was just unbelievable and how much innovation and how much we've learned over the last seven months has been insane. So I want to get into some of that with you. You move here from um, Chicago. You've got this life's good. I imagine you get into little fib, you're rock and roll. I met you at the, um, at soup Sunday, which is just an amazing event. If you don't know what soup Sunday is, Google it. Our kids soup Sunday it's like 60 different restaurants all making a yeah, soup. Your yeah. soup was my absolute favorite. Sorry to everybody else there. And I and <laughs> you kind of have to go around and be like, oh, the soup is amazing, which a lot of them are. But yours, yeah. I went back to the table. And I got like three of them. I was like, no, you guys have to try this one again. Yeah. Um, you're riding high. You've got this. You're, you're, you're downtown. I imagine life is really good. Nashville's booming. You're killing it. And then you go into kind of St. Patrick's Day this past year, being in a hotel, did it take them longer to close you guys down? Like, what was that? What was that like for you and your family and just everything? What was that moment like? Um, it's, it's interesting just because my wife also works at the hotel. Um, there you go. So she, she runs the front office and, you know, I do culinary. Um, so it's kind of like a family affair. But that's also one of the things I love about the Renaissance is that, you know, we are all family. Um, rolling into it was was really hard because at the end of the day, like I didn't run a bad business. Like like we didn't shut down because I mishandled money. We didn't like we were making more money than we ever have. We were costing good. People were happy, we were doing things, and then you know, this kind of happened and and it's just been another interesting layer with having a you know 650 room hotel. So not only are you an independent restaurant, but you've got in-house guests. So once safety became paramount, taking care of our people is kind of our cornerstone. Um, so once we couldn't keep the people safe, um, and once we couldn't provide the revenue to keep it open, it just became an easy business decision to to shut it down. Um, so I was furloughed and, but thankfully I'm back and we're back open for breakfast. But yeah, it was a, it was a really tough time. And I don't think anyone was, was ready for it. Kind of came out of left field. Yeah, no, I, I think it was a uh, crazy, uh, I, I want to do a story and I'm working on this right now on pandemic pivots, right? Yeah. So I know that word is annoying, but Hey, it, it, it works. So, yeah. um, <laughs> A lot of people had to pivot during this time because we were closed. I mean, you just came back, right? I mean, like you, how long have you been back at work? Uh, Three weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, you were out for six months. Yeah. Did you, did you pick up any like odd jobs or like, what have you been doing to, has your wife been working? Have you been like driving Uber? Like what's, Um, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? The, the first thing that we did because Honestly, when this all happened, like much of the world, I was like, this will last for eight weeks. We'll be fine. Um, 
my first initial reaction was how can I help and what, what can I do? Um, so I got in touch with all of like my farmers, like Tennessee grass fed, um, who does all the beef for the restaurant. Um, well, actually pretty much all the proteins. Um, and I said, what are you not moving? What do you have sitting in your coolers? What can I do? Um, so every Friday we would do family meal and we would do a different like to go contact us pickup. We did it out of my house um, with two of my other chefs. Um, so people, we would do, they would say, Hey, we have pork belly. Okay, cool. We're going to do pork belly fried rice and we're going to make spring rolls and we'll leave it on the front door. DM me on Instagram. We'll leave it for you. Tell us the pickup time. Um, so that really kept us busy because we were chefs. We like need to do that. Um, and we needed to help our farmers and we needed to help our local contacts that had things that to be processed. I mean, it was all a group effort. Um, so we did that. I've been working with Edible, Nashville, the magazine. I've been doing farm dinners pretty much every month. Um, they're amazing. I've been working with them for pre pretty much since I got to Nashville. And I can credit them with introducing me to Tennessee grass fed, to RV pottery that makes all of our plates at the restaurant. Um, and all these other like fantastic people that I've gotten to know. So honestly, when it all happened, we just, we wanted to support them and support the farmers and get out there and, and do some good and make people feel happy and, and, and sustain because, you know, it, it's a restaurant's about food and hospitality. And when you don't have food and hospitality, how can we provide that? And when most of your friends and family are out of work, how can you do the same for them? That's that's what I'm talking about with hospitality people and love languages. You know, I talk about love languages and I yeah, go, exactly. you know, the spirit exactly. of service gifts, yeah. you know, doing things for other people. That's the thing that most people miss when we go on further. Yeah, but you're getting unemployment. It's like, but no, but that's where we may be getting money, but like I'm empty inside. Like I need to be doing things for other people. That's how we give love. And it seems like that's part of exactly who you are. And you go through a time like this where you can't do that at your job every day. And you found ways, you yeah, found yeah. ways to go out and, and help and be able to fill your cup, so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not really anything that I did. I just helped facilitate and it's really all of my other chefs and all the farmers. They're the ones who do the actual work. Um, to grow a vegetable or to raise a cow is the actual hard part. And my job is not to fuck it up. <laughs> uh, okay. you, you, you made a delicious steak and my job is not to fuck it up. And, you know, I get to, I get to go and meet farmers. And you know, we've talked before. I said, I've never met a farmer that's an asshole. So anytime that I can go and meet a farmer and, they're super nice and all they care about is like the product that they make. I love talking passionately about anything they grow and how they grow it. And, you know, I, I try to dabble in gardening and I'm horrible. Um, it's not as easy as it, as you would think, like plant a seed, like, no, you got to yeah, cultivate and water and fertilize and pull weeds and kill bugs and deer. Yeah. Um, and or, I, I try, I'm trying organic farming and it's just like, especially tomatoes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly like happy there's going to be a frost 
because I just can't anymore. Yeah. The, the second it turns it turns red, something eats it. Yeah. So, oh, I I think it was you that put a post. It was like I see why people eat green tomatoes because you can't let it sit there too long because they'll. It's a like, thing. I, I now understand why Southerners eat green tomatoes, and why it's a thing because the second your tomato turns red, something eats it. The second it happens, it's like, damn it, what I was one day you get out there and you go, I'm going to give it one more day on the vine and it'll be perfect. And that's the day that whatever animal gets it. That's how they get you. Every so single like, time. I like, oh, I like, I've, I've always wondered that. And I was like, okay, now I know. <laughs> because organic farming sucks. And so more, more respect to everybody who does it. And like, you know, Oh, I love respect you know, how much hard work that you're putting into it. If I was a farmer, I would. I mean, I would love talking to chefs too. I mean, it's like all day long, nobody really appreciating your craft. I my favorite interview that I've done. One of, I mean, I'd probably say top five for sure was Sylvia Genier, and yeah. she is the farm, the CFO, chief farm operator at uh, Green Door Gourmet. And awesome. I asked her. I said, "So, how do we support farmers?" And she goes, don't go to farmer's markets. <laughs> I go, what? Like, wouldn't you think that? She's like, no, go to the farm and buy their product. And yeah. she explained to me the process of how they do a farmer's market. Did you hear that? Did you listen to that episode at all? I did, for sure. Uh, it's it's the most incredible thing how they have to do those. So I imagine spending time with farmers who you appreciate what they do and like to talk yeah. about their food and how they do it is a, uh, can be, can be nice. Yeah. And like most of the time when we do these farm dinners, it's a fire in the middle of a field and we get to pay homage to everything they do and partner with other local people. And we get to meet people. And, you know, for most of the pandemic, it was small. It was 20 people, 30 people as restrictions were, were lessened and we're where we were, but, at the end of the day, it's a, I call it my family. So like we all just get to hang out and uh, cook really, really good food and, and, and have a good time. That's, that's the most important thing. I, I think we all could have done through, through all of this is if you don't come out on the other side of this with a greater appreciation for the people that you work with, the people you work for, the people that work for you, um, then you did it all wrong. Amen. I know I certainly do. Yeah. I certainly have a new appreciation for um, for a lot of things. I mean, not just the people. I mean, just a lot like my family. You know, I think the main yeah. thing is appreciation for all the things my wife does. I'm not just saying this to suck up. She doesn't listen to the show. You know, I never realized how much she did in the house throughout the day while I was gone. And now I'm here. I'm like, whoa, you don't stop. Like, you're you're hustling. <laughs> Two kids running around, laundry, dishes. Like she's just constantly going and going and going. And I'm like blown away at her tenacity. Yeah. So that appreciation too. I mean, just all things. Yeah. I mean, my family is a rock star. Like couldn't have done this without her. And now that I'm back at work, you know, she's just been killing it. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like usually I would like handle the food. I'd handle like the cleaning. Um, and now it's, it's kind of all on her plate and, I'll come home and I'm like, did a really good job on, on cleaning the kitchen. It looks really good. <laughs> do you have any do you have any farm dinners coming up that we can promote? Uh we've got anything that you're still selling tickets for? 
Um, the dinner on the 7th of Boot Hill Blades um, and Blackhawk Farms, that one sold out. Um, but I am doing a taco pop-up with Alabrije on November 1st. Oh, is that the Day of the Dead? We are, uh, listen, like Edgar and all of them, they're, they're handling it. I just love hanging out with those guys. So I'm going to go just work the grill. They're beautiful new grill. That looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take a Sunday off and I'm going to sling some tacos with those guys. So we, so here's, uh, I, I've been working with Edgar um, with Mare Bowl restaurant. Do you know okay. what we're doing for the month of November? I've heard a tease, but are, are you going to like reveal? I'm going to announce it right now. Let's on this show right now, and Edgar can kill me. The entire month of November, we're giving Alabrije a home on Sunday nights. So November the, I think it's the 8th, 15th, 22nd, 29th, I think is something like that. The entire month, every single Sunday night, we're turning Maribol Restaurant, the mansion in Brentwood, into Alabrije. Yeah. Four and, nights in November. And, and I will say that, you know, Edgar and all those guys, like, they're super, super talented. Um, I, Beyond. I, I come from Chicago. It's, you know, a very, you know, Mexican-heavy city. So um, they, they give me a little bit of street cred for like my um, and they've taught me a lot about making masa. So I love learning from them and I love contributing. And honestly, at the end of the day, they're just great dudes that make good food and, um, you know, please go out and support them because these guys are doing it the right way. Like there's, there's no one in Nashville and you can at me or whatever, but there's nobody making food like, you know, all those guys like and Edgar and, and Julio are both killing it out there. I'd say for the most authentic masa and corn, yeah. but uh, yeah, we're doing four nights with him, and each night we're having a theme night. So that will be he'll be promoting that soon. Uh, but yeah, so he's doing a big Day of the Dead event. Is it at the Nashville Jam Company? It is, yeah. Yeah, so he's doing like a big Day of the Dead. I think he's going to have like mariachi and face painting and like a whole thing going on, like a pinatas and like a big Day of the Dead event that Sunday. So um, definitely go check that out. And you can go see Chef James slinging tacos. Yeah. Right. I love working with those guys. Like Julio has been one of the kindest people to me in the city. Like Koshan, I wouldn't have been part of it without him. He was the one who like found, found my number and sent me a text to invite me to the event. So, is he like the best dude ever? Dude, I don't know where he finds the energy. <laughs> like that man hustles like no other. Like, and every chef that I know says that his tacos are the best. So, like, I'm a little bit biased, but uh, but when you hear everybody else like in the industry saying how good his tacos are, you know it's for real. We uh we went to the Alabrije at the Southern, yeah. And uh, we only got one carne asada taco, and we got like two of it. We got everything on the menu, and we got to the, it was like the carne asada taco was the last thing, and I'd already already ordered like fourteen things, and I was like, ah, just do one of the carne asada tacos. Yeah. And by the time the carne asada taco came out, I took one bite, and I'm sitting with my wife, and I took a bite, and I was like, yeah, this isn't good. You're not gonna like it. And she's like, give me the damn taco. 
she was she's like dying the food is so good she's like you better pass that taco yeah. so i'm taking i take a bite of a taco i hand her the taco she takes a bite she goes you're oh not- my god i've never had a taco like this so give me back the damn taco literally passing a taco back and forth across the table eating it and there was that we got done and there's like that tiny little bit at the very end of the taco was sitting on the plate and i was like you gonna eat that she's like fuck yeah i'm gonna eat that and i was like i'm gonna eat that like it was like fighting for the tiny little end piece of the taco nothing on it just the, the tortilla and i was like it's that good. The tortillas are insane. When we when we started our family meal, we did a taco night, and uh, Julio was the first person to be like, "I'm testing my like tortillas." He and he provided like 400, and they're <laughs> beautiful. So ever since then, I was like, "Legit, I'm sold." Like it it made me feel like I was in back in Chicago, like Southside, Tortilleria, like. They're the, they're the shit, and and, and Miho so, he's he's been doing a, a lot of great stuff too. Like I love all the pop ups that have been happening. Oh, well, and now um, Julio kind of has his own truck now, right? So Mais yeah. de la Vida is Julio uh, Hernandez, right? Julio Hernandez. Yeah, and uh, he is. I think he uh, hangs out. Oh, What's that? Is that shout out to my boy? I love him. Yeah. Hell yeah, man! He's the best, and he but he parks over at um, where is he? Where is his truck? Oh, he's everywhere. Okay, but I think I thought he had like a place that he was parking. I can't think of the name of where he was. Julio, when you listen to this, follow him on Instagram. Yeah, he'll be out there. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely. Um, but go try his tacos, and then wherever you see Edgar Victoria and Alabrije, go, go, just just go. Yeah. And you'll thank us. It's yeah. that good. Brandon and James endorse it. So a thousand percent. Uh, yeah. So you, so you have an Alabrije pop up the next five weekends. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'll be there all of them. I still have to like put eggs at the uh, at the, for the people out there. Yeah, but for the people out there. The people out there. You don't. You don't need my my cooking in there. Like, let, let them handle. It. I'm like a. I'm like a line cook when I. When I <laughs> Well, man, I, I I feel like there's so much more to talk about. We always get to this point, that 50-minute mark in the interview where I'm like, I feel like we could just talk for hours. I think that's why people drink beer and go to bars and hang out because they could just talk. Yeah. It's good times. Um, what have I missed? What are, what's, We've talked about Little Fib. We've talked about quarantine kids moving to Nashville. Alabrije, Julio Hernandez. We haven't talked about Caroline Galson yet. I tend to get her into every episode somehow. She's like my Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon. Ah, sorry, I didn't get to Matt Damon today. Um, so I, I met them at Cochon face to face. That's the and then um, my one of my sous chefs volunteers for like some of their pop ups. So I haven't had the pleasure of like actually having a conversation with them. So with who? Caroline. Caroline and Tony. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe one day they can come. You need to. We'll hang out. Figure out a way to do it. They're amazing people. Yeah. No, I know that. We got the Chicago connection. So all of us, all of Chicago. Are you a a Sox? You don't like sports. Never mind. I don't. Is there big white Sox? No. So Tony would be really mad if I said I was a Cubs fan, but (laughs) I don't. I don't pick sides. (laughs) I love it. All right. Well, did I miss anything? 
so far, I mean, we can do this again. I just. No, I mean, just a pleasure to hang out with you and uh, spend a Sunday morning. Not sure when this is going to, you know, hit the pod, but. You mean a Wednesday morning? Yes, yeah, a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Lovely to spend a Wednesday morning talking to you, Brandon. Uh, yeah, man. I, just, I had a great time. Thank you for giving me a platform to just shoot the shit and and talk. I don't I don't think my story is necessarily very interesting, but you know, uh, it's it's interesting it for to highlight all the other people in Nashville that are doing very cool stuff. So, well, uh, I'm gonna give you your chance right now, you know, because we at the end of every interview, oh, I, I open the I open the floor. I don't know if you've been practicing what you want to say, but. Um, the, the floor is yours. Whatever you want to say to the city of Nashville, the, the country, the world. Um, where we got, I think, 32 countries have now listened to this podcast. Man, you're, you're really coming up in the world. I'm telling you, man. Howard Stern in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way in hell. Howard, nobody, nobody can be Howard Stern. Um, I can hope to be a one thousandth of what Howard Stern is. He's one of my one of my absolute heroes. So the my, the floor is yours. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, go. Well, I mean that's like a lot of pressure, but at the end of the day, I just, I just want to say thank you to everyone. Thank you, Brandon, for having me on. And um, you know, I love you, Nashville. We're all going to get through this. Everything's going to be okay. Just take care of each other. Take care of yourself too. Um, and wear a mask, go vote, all the other stuff. Just uh, and if you're ever hungry in downtown, come to Little Fed. I'm probably gonna be behind the line. So if your omelet sucks, you can blame me. Uh, <laughs> uh, brother Madden, I love you guys. Appreciate you. I love it. Personal accountability. Yeah. The omelet sucks. It's on me. I'll own that. Thank you so much, uh, Chef James Kerwin, for joining us here on Nashville Restaurant Radio. This has been a lot of fun. And go check him out at the Little Fib. Uh, it is downtown in the Renaissance Hotel. And, uh, man, best uh, of luck uh, to you. On Instagram, it's uh, at Little Fib Nash and JT Kerwin uh, for Instagram. And so you guys want to see what, what, what we're up to, what we're cooking, that's the best place to find us. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. All right. So there you go. Hope that now you know who James Kerwin is over at the Little Fib. Go check him out. Try his food. Say hi. Tell him you heard him on Nashville Restaurant Radio. I'm sure he would love the feedback. And for God's sakes, get out there and vote. I think that early voting ends tomorrow. So if you got a chance today, get out there. Just, just get it done. It is your civic duty. If you want to complain about it in the future, you got to get out and vote. Please, please, please get out and vote. Um, I already voted, voted last week, and it was amazing. It felt amazing. I've never had kind of this emotional feeling like I felt when I voted this time, uh, and I've voted in every election. So it was pretty cool. I um, implore you guys, check us out tomorrow also. Please listen tomorrow on the Roundup at 3.30. If you join us on the Facebook Live, you can interact with us during the show. Delia, Joe Ramsey, and myself do the show live. We're going to have a couple of live guests from the East Nashville area. We're talking East Nashville. 
I'm going to be doing my on-brand segment about mediocrity, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we look forward to having you join us Thursday, and um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Hope you're being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.